I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Interleukin-2 therapies have been seen as promising ways to treat solid tumors, but they've proven challenging because of the ability of IL-2 to both activate and suppress the immune system. Their effectiveness have been limited because of potentially toxic side effects, which have included vascular leak syndrome and pulmonary edema. Aulis Biosciences believes its AI-based approach to computational drug design used for its lead experimental therapy, allows it to unlock the power of IL-2 without triggering the concerning side effects of existing therapies. We spoke to Aaron Knickerbocker, president and CEO of Aulis, about the potential for IL-2 therapies to treat solid tumors, the limits of today's IL-2 therapies, and the AI-based design behind its experimental IL-2 therapy in development. Aaron, thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here, Danny. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about interleukin-2, its ability to trigger and inhibit an immune response, and all this biosciences efforts to develop an IL-2 immunotherapy to treat cancer. All this is not alone in its interest in the therapeutic potential of IL-2. I saw one recent study that identified 45 IL-2-based compounds in clinical trials. What is IL-2 and what's its role in the immune system? Yeah, uh, well, thank you for asking about that. And uh, ALOS is an immuno-oncology. We're working to change IL-2 and to really revolutionize it and to make the best-in-class IL-2 agent. But to your question, what is IL-2? So interleukin-2 or IL-2 is a cytokine. And if you think about the roots of that word, cyto means cell, and kind means movement. So it acts as a messenger or a signal molecule. It tells the immune system to come to an area, for instance, where there's an infection and to take action. Or in other contexts, it can tell the immune system to tone things down. Um, And I'll talk more about that, but it, it is a cytokine. And so it's a cell signaling molecule. It's very interesting in the context of cancer though, because we know going back to the early 90s, when aldosleucin or proleucin was approved for metastatic melanoma and also for renal cell carcinoma, that it can be very active. It is a potent molecule on the immune system and it can elicit profound anti-tumor effects, including durable, complete responses in patients with metastatic disease. And I think those of us who've been around long enough to know that and maybe even seen it as physicians would love to see that happen for more patients, but without the toxicity that's often associated with IL-2 because IL-2 binds to many different cell types in addition to the immune effector cells that we want it to bind to to go after the tumor. It also binds to regulatory T cells, which are immunosuppressive, and to the vasculature, which can result in leakage. And this is a well-known problem with high-dose IL-2. It can cause vascular leak syndrome. 
and edema or swelling throughout the body, as well as a drop in blood pressure as fluid comes out of the blood vessels and into the tissues. So we see a lot of potential here to make IL-2 safer and hopefully more active. What makes it so compelling, though, as a, a basis for a, a cancer therapy? Yeah, I think, you know, I just mentioned its potency. We know that it is, when it works, very potent and it can produce these durable, complete responses. We think that the reason the, the responses are so durable is because the other thing that IL-2 will do is to induce the proliferation and the maintenance of memory cells. So the immune system, as you all know, uh, can remember having seen pathogens in the past or certain proteins in the past. And so what's compelling about IL-2 is its potential to activate the immune system, but also to induce this memory so that maybe two months down the road when it sees the same sort of tumor cell again, harboring strange proteins and neoantigen proteins on the surface are displayed in the context of antigen display, the immune system will say, aha, that's not myself. I'm going to go after that cell and kill it. And so that's the other thing that's so compelling about IL-2. IL-2 therapies can trigger very dangerous side effects, things known as cytokine storms. At the same time, the, these therapies which are seeking to enlist the immune system in the fight against cancer can actually blunt its effects. How concerning are these aspects of IL-2 and how well understood are they? Yeah, so that's exactly what we're trying to address at ALOS with AU007, our antibody that binds to IL-2, and that's the sort of duality of IL-2. And the reason it can have both immunosuppressive and immunoactivating effects has to do with concentration levels in the blood. So at low concentrations, which is typically the, stat, the state we're in when we're healthy, we have relatively little IL-2 in circulation. And because it's relatively unabundant, that will be more often than not bound to T regulatory cells. And these are the immunosuppressive cells of the immune system. And the reason they will be bound to those cell types is because they express on their surface a very sticky high affinity receptor for IL-2 that grabs it and keeps it bound and causes the Tregs to stay active, suppressing the immune response. Now, what you were getting at earlier is what happens when we use high doses of IL-2, and this is a strategy historically is to give so much IL-2 that the Tregs can no longer bind all of it, it begins to activate and bind to the effector cells that can kill the tumors. But as the levels rise, it also binds to receptors on the vasculature and causes leakage. So this is one of the safety effects that we expect to hope to solve with AU007, our antibody, because our antibody binds to IL-2 itself. It doesn't bind to the receptors, it binds to the cytokine interleukin-2 and it binds on a really particular spot on the cytokine, a very tiny patch of real estate on this small protein called IL-2. And that's the part of IL-2 that docks with the alpha subunits, something called CD25 or alpha, that is one component of three in that high affinity receptor that's on the vasculature and on the Treg cells. So when our antibody is bound to IL-2, it acts as a router. It redirects IL-2 only to those cells that express a, trim a, a non-trimer receptor that does not contain that subunit. It's a dimer receptor lacking the CD25 subunit. 
and does not allow the IL-2 to bind to the trimer receptor on the Tregs in the vasculature because that contains that third subunit, CD25. Now, the reason that's so important is twofold. One is safety. We do believe in all of our evidence to date, both preclinically and now in human trials, is that we are not allowing IL-2 to induce its, its vascular leak syndrome, the hypotension and swelling that's known to be associated with high doses of IL-2 because our antibody bound to IL-2 is keeping it away from the trimer receptor in the vasculature. So that's making it safer. On the efficacy side, we also can tell from our preclinical data and now clinical pharmacodynamic data that we are keeping the IL-2 away from the Tregs, the professional immune suppressing cells of the immune system, because we see the Treg numbers either staying flat or coming down, even as we give IL-2 in the presence of our antibody. So we expect that that could have a positive contribution for anti-tumor activity because as a rule of thumb, one Treg can suppress 10 effector cells in their activity against the, immune, against the tumor. Your lead experimental therapy is AU007. What is AU007? Yeah, I was just starting to touch on that. So AU007 is a human monoclonal antibody. And importantly, it binds to interleukin-2, not to the receptors for interleukin-2, but to the cytokine interleukin-2 itself. And it's also quite interesting because it was designed using artificial intelligence. So our partners at Biologic Design have a platform that uses machine learning algorithms that have been trained on known sequences of antibodies and their target antigens, the things that they bind to. And so it learns patterns and learns to recognize which amino acids and which spots on the antibody are likely to bind with high specificity and affinity to a given target epitope in the sequence on that target. So to our knowledge, this is the first time ever that a monoclonal antibody designed using artificial intelligence has gone into a human clinical trial. So again, it binds to IL-2, but it binds to that part of IL-2 that would otherwise dock with one of the three receptor subunits in that high affinity trimeric receptor that's known to exist on T regulatory cells and on the vasculature. So it's the only antibody, to our knowledge, that can redirect IL-2 away from high affinity receptors on the vasculature and the Tregs and toward the moderate affinity receptors on the T effectors and NK cells. We featured Ine Offren of Biologic on an episode in July 2022, and I encourage people interested in learning more to, to listen to that episode. But for people not familiar with the platform, can you talk a little about what the platform enables and, and how it got you to AU007? Yeah, so the AI discovery platform that our partners at Biologic Design use, and I should note here that Biologic Design and ATP, our investors, co-founded ALOS. So uh, Biologic Design is a co-founder, and it's their technology platform that led to the creation of what ALOS is now developing AU007. But to your question, how does it work? In essence, it's mimicking in the AI setting what the immune system does naturally in our bodies. So when we are, say, infected with a new virus, what the immune system does to make antibodies is start with a antibody that might kind of bind to that virus. That's called the template. And then there's a very rapid succession of 
many, many changes that get introduced in parallel to try to make variants of that antibody to improve upon its specificity and its affinity for the target. So as an aside, this is why COVID killed millions of people around the world before we had vaccines. And that is because most of us didn't have a template antibody that recognized a virus like COVID or SARS-CoV-2, which you know, cross species, and we'd never seen anything like that before as a human species. Uh, that was why it was so threatening. But what the biologic platform does, coming back to the root of the question here on how it works, it takes a template antibody and uses machine learning algorithms to predict changes in the amino acids in the binding part of that antibody that can be made to improve its specificity and affinity for a given target. So remember that the target here is a soluble cytokine, again, a small protein called interleukin-2. It's only 159 amino, amino acids, so it's a very compact little protein. And what our partners at Biologic Design succeeded in doing before anybody else had is to land an antibody just on that part of IL-2 that contacts one of the receptor subunits, the alpha subunit but still leaves exposed the rest of IL-2, even when it's bound to the antibody, so that the rest of IL-2 that's exposed can interact with, can dock with dimeric or two-part receptors on T-effector cells and natural killer cells. And because of that, it acts as a router for IL-2. It keeps IL-2 away from trimeric receptors on vasculature and Tregs and directs it towards the T effectors and NK cells that can go after the tumor and kill it. So it's a very powerful platform that was used to achieve something that had never been achieved before using conventional antibody means. This is in development for solid tumors. How broadly applicable might it be and how are you prioritizing potential indications? Well, we are pretty... <laughs> excited about what we're seeing already at ALOS with A007. Um, it's behaving the way we had hoped it would in terms of its mechanistic effect. And now we're seeing evidence of activity and a safe uh, profile overall. The drug's well tolerated and uh, the data look good from both the safety perspective, pharmacodynamic perspective and an activity perspective. So it's our hope that this would really be a pipeline and a product, that this is something that could become a cornerstone agent for immuno-oncology applications in solid tumors and perhaps liquid tumors even someday, but our focus now is solid tumors. And if we're successful in widening the therapeutic index of IL-2, as we believe we have a, a good shot at doing based on the data we're seeing so far, we think this could be an agent akin to the checkpoint inhibitors in that it gets integrated in many different regimens, many different tumor types and lines of therapies because it's activating the immune system in a way that's productive in different tumor settings. So right now in the phase one dose escalation portion of our trial that we're finishing up, we've allowed patients with any of 19 different solid tumor types to come into that trial for the eligibility criteria. But going forward, we'd like to focus on indications where there's already evidence that IL-2 can work. Uh, we've also seen some evidence of activity in our own study and we know that these are in general more immune sensitive tumors. So our focus for phase two will likely be in melanoma, renal cell carcinoma, and non-small cell lung cancer. 
what is the expectation this would be used as a, a monotherapy or would it be used in combination with other agents? Right. So the, the phase one portion of the trial that we're running at Alos, um, and it's a phase one slash two trial, I should say. So we're still in the phase one part. And that part in turn has three different arms to it. Because what we're trying to answer, ask and answer is, is anybody on its own as monotherapy sufficient? Or do we want to add in some exogenous IL-2 in the form of low-dose perleukin? And if so, should we give it just once or more frequently? So the three arms are either AU007 alone, that's our antibody, that's arm 1A. In 1B, we give AU007 plus a single dose of low-dose subcutaneously delivered perleukin on day one. And then in arm 1C, the third arm, we're giving both the antibody and the proleukin, again, a low-dose subcutaneous dose of it uh, every two weeks. So based on what we've seen so far, it looks like it does help to add in some exogenous IL-2 in the form of low-dose proleukin. So I expect that that is what we would take forward into phase two. Um, now we're just answering and uh, finalizing the question of whether we need to do that every two weeks and at what level of proleukin, what dose of proleukin every two weeks or a single dose. So we will resolve these questions, we think, quite soon and hope to start into phase two in 2024. I don't see a pipeline beyond AU007. Is this a pipeline and a product? Do you, you expect to move other candidates into clinical development? At the moment, ALOS is solely focused on AU007, but yes, we do believe it could be a pipeline and a product given the potential broad applicability of a safer and more effective form of IL-2 for the immune system and patients with these serious cancers. Um, and the company's only three years old. So we've really chosen to focus by design on this program to move it as effectively and as efficiently as we can and to direct all of our resources, both financial and human, to this. However, in the longer run, we may add to the pipeline. That's, that's still to be determined, and that would be dependent on additional funding. But right now, we think that maximizing the value, both clinically and economically, for AU007 is the right thing to do for Alos, and that it indeed could be a pipeline in a product. In August, the company announced the $20 million Series A extension funding from Apple Tree Partners. This followed an initial $40 million Series A funding announced in January 2021. Apple Tree co-founded Allus with Biologic. How far will existing funding take you? Yeah, so uh, we have a strong relationship with ATP and are very grateful for their support. They had the vision to put Allus together, as you noted, along with Biologic Design and coupling the technology that biologic design brought along with the antibody that's now AU007 with funding and these insights from ATP. That's what has allowed us to create this company to get to where we are in about three years. Um, so the initial funding, you're correct, was 40 million for the series A. We recently extended that with an additional 20 million. We think that with the extension, um, that will allow us to demonstrate proof of concept in phase two so again, we're finishing up phase one dose escalation now and aiming to start phase two early in 2024. And we would use the extension funding to uh, conduct that phase two work and demonstrate human proof of concept. 
it's been a difficult financing environment for biotech. Have you had discussions with other potential investors to date, or has the relationship with Apple Tree made that unnecessary? Um, we have had discussions with other investors as well and continue to. Uh, but Apple Tree continues also to be very supportive and committed to the company. I think liking what they're seeing in the program and the team. But yes, I, we always maintain relationships with other firms who could be future investors. Uh, we keep them up to date on this, the study and the progress and the data that we're generating. And I would expect that over time, it could be that we would add uh, additional investors as well. But for the moment, Apple Tree has been very supportive and a value partner for the company. And what's the plan for raising additional capital? Yes, so you noted the $20 million extension of the Series A that will allow us to generate some phase two proof of concept data. However, we'd like to go beyond that and to do so quickly and seamlessly if the data are good. So uh, we do anticipate some efforts to raise additional funding in 2024. Aaron Knickerbocker, President and CEO of Alos Biosciences. Aaron, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks so much to you, Danny. We're really excited about what we've got going on at Alos with AU007 and appreciate the opportunity to chat with you about it. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.